Hey, hi, and hello. You're listening to Medic's Motive. This is your medic can die, and the motive is to present to you all the next episode in the Healthcare Leadership Academy conference series. This was with Professor David Haslam, GP, current chair of the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, past president of the Royal College of General Practitioners and the BMA. Listen in for a conversation on leadership, on the potential in medical careers, and on knowing your value, your values, and standing up for them. Before we jump right in, a big thank you to the sponsors, the MDU and Medics Academy, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yes, I'm really pleased to be here. My name's David Haslam. Uh, I spent most of my, my working life as a general practitioner. Uh, I became both the president and chairman of the Royal College of GPs, and now I'm chairman of NICE, the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. That sounds very nice. <laughs> Been waiting to use that plant all day. Of course, of course. Um, okay, firstly, why did you go into medicine? Oh, gosh. Um, probably uh, because my dad was a doctor, my brother was a doctor, my sister was a nurse, my other sister was a nurse who married a doctor, my mum was a dispenser. I think this shows a distinct lack of imagination on my part amongst anything. But the serious point is actually my dad died when I was only 14. Um, and I, I just remember the impact that his death had on the community we lived in, where he was a local general practitioner. Uh, my brother died. He was a general practitioner when I was a medical student. So, um, so I recognised the huge power that, that, not that doctors have, but the impact that they can have on communities. The, the, it's a job that matters. Um, so, on one level, you can say it was a lack of uh, lack of imagination for anything <laughs> else, and on the other, you can say I was inspired by them. Oh, okay. And I don't know which it was. So it's always been in the family and you were first attracted to it or you first decided on it when you were... I, I think, I think um, from when I was a very small child, I, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else mm. um, until I sort of got to A-levels. My A-levels weren't terribly good and I went to see an educational psychologist to see what else I might, <laughs> might be able to do. Um, but I, medicine always appealed to me. Um, I always had this, oh, it's a terrible cliche, but this interest in people. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's where it's where it's come from. So that's been the, the piece all the way through. Yeah. I was having a conversation earlier with someone discussing the motivations for going into medicine. And it transpires that it is genuinely from either the science or the people in the marriage. Yeah. And in the process of getting interviewed to get into medical school, you have to be more creative and trying to kind of avoid that answer, but... Well, I, I think that's absolutely right, and I think there's there's um, I, I'm always fascinated by the, the the fact that we tend to try and have stem cell medical students, if I can put it that way, people who we expect to have a skill set that could take them off to be forensic pathologists or child psychiatrists or general practitioners or whatever, and actually the mm. breadth of the profession is so extraordinary that I think medical schools do need to look at a a different mix of personality types and interests um, uh, you know, to, to get the best possible group of people uh, mm. to, be, to be all this spread of doctors. The great thing about medicine is the breadth of it, the extraordinary breadth. I mean, you know, in, in my own career and a small extent, I've done an incredible range of things which I would never have dreamt about. And I think that's one of the great benefits for, for anyone going into medicine. Mm. I think that's the benefit of... Uh Going into medicine, yes, you become a doctor, but you can become a lot more as yeah. well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So more about why you're here today with the Healthcare Leadership Academy. What will you be speaking about today? I'm speaking at the end of the 
of a whole day's work, so I realized people are going to be fairly tired by the end of it. But I thought what I'd probably focus on was some of the tips that I've got from, from my career, because I, I, I never planned any of this. Um, I didn't, you know, I think the student me looking at my life over the last 10, 15 years would have just said, come on, you no way would you have done those things. Because mm. it really, really wasn't like what I was expecting to do. And I think of what, a lot of what I've learned about leadership has been by trial and error, and it's worth sharing some of the some of the sort of the messages from that. But I think the chief thing I want to get across is is that extraordinary level of potential that there is in in medical careers and the importance of learning about things other than the physiology and biochemistry and anatomy, understanding mm-hmm. how the system works, how people work, the whole human factors bit of of, uh, of medicine and healthcare just seems to me so important. Mm. Focusing on how you said you're surprised you've ended up where you are today. Yeah. How did you end up? Oh, gosh. A series of sort of strange steps. I mean, I, I, number one, I was always really, really interested in writing um, ever since I was a small child when I wrote the sort of a newspaper for the road I lived in. Um, and so uh, when I, I, as a student, I did some writing. Um, and then when I first became a general practitioner, I wrote a weekly column for one of the GP newspapers in those days. Now, don't forget, this is the years bef- way before the internet. Blogging hadn't been invented, thank, mm. thank heavens. So, <laughs> um, because it meant I got paid, which was fantastic as well. So I wrote uh, every week for one of the medical uh, weeklies, a sort of a, a supposedly humorous, light-hearted comment about sort of life and the universe and everything. Mm. Um, I uh, was asked to become a, uh, an examiner for the Royal College of GPs, um, I then stood, I can't quite remember the order that things happened, but I stood for election to the council of the college um, because it looked interesting, some of the things that the RCGP wanted to do, but I also was very irritated by them. I wanted to change things. Mm. Um, And because I'd done all this writing, people knew my name. So when you stand for election, you get elected. I mean, if you look at the elections for most things in medicine, you look at a list of names, who? You've no idea who these people are. But actually, through having a profile, I think people knew they knew two things. They knew my name, which mattered. The other thing they, they knew probably is what I stood for, the sort of values I had. So I then began, I was then a council member of the Royal College. I was an examiner of the Royal College. Um, uh, there was then in those days a thing called the examination board, which ran the exam. And to be the chairman of the board, you had to be both a council member and an examiner, and there were only two people who could do the job, and the other guy didn't want to do it, so I did it. So I was then on the central executive of the Royal College of GPs, and then when the chairman was about to come to the end of his term of office, he um, uh, he, he cornered me one day and said, had I thought of putting my name forward? Nope, no way had I thought <laughs> of putting my name forward. Me? But, absolutely, me? You know, you've got to be crazy. Um, it looked a terrifying job. This is the job people like Claire Gerard or Helen Stoke Lampard, people a very, very high profile job. Mm. Um, but, and this is a serious piece of advice that I give everybody, I imagine myself on my deathbed, hopefully a long way in the future, looking back and saying, would you have wished you'd tried? And if you'd have always thought, I wonder, you know, should I have given that one a shot? Mm then give it a shot. What's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is you don't get elected. That's fine. Um, You can never, ever say, I I wish I'd tried. 
And so at every opportunity, every one of those little nodes that have come along in my career where the algorithms split, mm. and, and I've been faced with an opportunity, I've always said, would I wish I'd have tried this? And if I'd have wished, I'd give it a shot. And if I get elected or appointed, fine. If I don't, fine. Mm. Because, you know... And I remember some years ago giving a talk to a group of, of, of young GPs at the RCGP about my career. And at the end of it, the guy who was interviewing me said, I realise what the secret of your success is, David, or the, your, your career. He said, every time you had a failure, you redefined it as a success. Yes. And I think actually there's some truth in that. There's things I didn't get. And actually I'm really pleased I didn't get them now. I might have been disappointed at the time, but you know, it wasn't a... I'm really happy where I've ended up. It's been fascinating. Mm. So the answer is, if you're interested, give it a shot. Mm. And I think you you earlier mentioned that um, people knew what you stood for and your values. What are some of those values? Yeah, I think um, oh, I, I, it's terribly, terribly difficult to talk about these sort of things without sounding really cheesy. I love it. I'm all about uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really difficult to talk about these things without sounding cheesy, but it is to do without well about focusing on people, about the real human beings that that doctors, whatever their role, we have this incredible privilege of of working with people at some of the most challenging times of their lives, um, uh, happy, sad, devastating you know wonderful i mean the, the 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 privilege of being part of those those bits of people's lives are quite enormous and and retaining within medicine the humanity the the values of of high quality medicine combining yes sure clinical knowledge but also kindness compassion humanity though that for me is the bit that really matters mm translating that into what you're doing at the moment as a leader of um, different organizations how does that feed into the leadership qualities that you think a leader needs to be an effective leader, a great leader? I think it is. It very much relates to making absolutely clear what your values are and therefore what the values are that you expect your organisation to uh, to adhere to. And, and most, most, most people I find in the medical and social care world have are ready to be inspired, are ready to be infused. They're also very easy to take in the other direction, to the, the negativity and cynicism. And sure, and listen, times can be really tough in this job. I'm no Pollyanna. I, I absolutely understand that medicine is incredibly difficult and challenging at times. Mm. Um, but I think that that applies to any uh, any really worthwhile role. But I think to enthuse people, to allow their better, their better side to, to build, to, um, to do the things that they, they believe in. There's a wonderful quote from Mahatma Gandhi that I love, which is, happiness, happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. And so often people get torn apart because they, they, you know, inside they know what they'd like to be, what they'd like to do. And then the sheer hassle and pressure and time pressures and so on of the job make it make them make it difficult for them to do that. And I think that tension there is is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So I think trying to encourage quality, encourage humanity. Um, I remember when I, I became chair of NICE and one of the first um, presentations that I gave, I talked about the importance of compassion and kindness and 
someone came up to me afterwards and said, that's the last thing we were expecting from someone from an organization like NICE. And I said, why? The, NICE is an evidence-based organization fost, focused on evidence-based healthcare and quality. Mm. All the evidence shows that things like compassion, kindness, humanity really, really matter. They matter to people. They're just as important as getting the dose of the drug right. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely critical. Um, and also picking up a bit more on the challenges that you can experience as a leader. Which role has been harder for you, do you think? Well, I, I, I do remember very, very clearly when I was chairman of the Royal College of GPs, um, there was a week when I hardly slept at all for the whole week. I was so wound up and stressed. And um, I somehow got through it. But it was, it was really, really, really challenging. And the thing I find absolutely fascinating is I have no idea what the problem was. And it's not because I'm dementing. I've just completely, you know, I can remember the emotion. But actually the problem sorted itself. We got through it. So somehow uh, the, there was an American book I read many years ago called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff subtitle and it's all small stuff and actually most things a year from now won't matter too much so just keep things in focus keep focused on the things that you can do I think the other thing I realized quite early in one of one of my major roles was that it was impossible um, that everything that was on my to-do list I would never do I just it was too much and that was such a relief realizing it was impossible I could then stop worrying about not being able to do it all and focus on the bits that really mattered. And so it's, it's really, really easy for whatever the leadership role you've got to feel that there's just too much there. But find what the nugget is inside that really matters and, and aim for that one. And the other thing is recognising that tasks, any of these tasks, are quite lonely, potentially lonely. And the more senior they are, the more lonely they are. But whatever level they are, there's a real risk of, of being isolated and you're stuck with your own thoughts. And I think it's really, really important to find a group of people or a person or someone you can share these issues with, someone who's going through a similar thing. Mm. So if you're in one particular hospital sort of working on a particular issue and you can link up with someone who's doing the same thing somewhere else, um, I think it can be really incredibly helpful. And I also think it's breathtakingly important in your career to mix with enthusiasts. Find, find a bunch of people who are buzzed up and excited about the positivity of, of, of what the job brings. Um, so much of the media and social media and so on, I think, acts like a form of negative cognitive therapy. It sort of drives your mood down. Mm -hmm. You just read every day about how awful things are. Um, but surrounding yourself with people whose attitude is, let's go for this, let's try and sort this one out just makes such a difference and of course you know it's not, not everything works absolutely not everything works but but recognizing it's worth giving it a shot definitely <clears throat> that feels like a sort of a burger with three levels of cheese on it but uh, you know the, I these emotions are just so I think they're so important I, I, I really for me the emotional bits the human bits are, are really what matters in this oh, okay so your top three cheesy parts of wisdom <laughs> that's uh, quite relevant <laughs> Top three cheeses, yeah, well, it, it's um, surround yourself with enthusiasts, uh, recognize um, that doing everything is impossible, so focus on the things that really matter mm. um, and keep your sense of humor. Mm, definitely. Actually, I'm curious, 
you said you used to write for your university on life and the universe. Yeah, the yeah. Humorous take. Do you have an example of that? Or something you spoke about? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, I, I, that was just when I was a student. There was a, a student newspaper that I used to write for, and then I used to... Oh, I remember the, the, probably the first, the first column that I sold to a, uh, to a magazine. There used to be a wonderful magazine. This is generations ago. There was a wonderful magazine for doctors called World Medicine, um, which was a sort of a slightly scurrilous private eye-type look at healthcare and medical issues and mm. and questioned the, the established uh, order in all sorts of things. And I was, I wrote a sort of a, a spoof piece, slightly disguised about a consultant I worked for, who I just, to be honest, despised. I despised the way he treated people. Mm. But I turned it into a humorous story about someone who was just slightly different from this guy. Made me feel better. Made other people, <laughs> made other people laugh. It was yeah. <laughs> It's quite important, especially when there's so many problems being highlighted. Humour is a big help in absolutely, all of this. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And on that note, thank you, David, for your time. Thank you to the sponsors, the MDU and Medics Academy. And a big thank you to you guys for listening. Until next time, this was Medics Motive.